Okay, everybody, so welcome to episode three of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. And as usual, I'm joined by Walter Smith. So, Walter, how's it been going? Oh, it's been good, good, good. We've had our first day of rain in Manchester now. And to be honest, it was crying out for it. Uh, I think it's the only time uh, it's rained and people haven't actually moaned about it. So, yeah, it's all good. I'm a teacher, so I'm coming up to the end of the year. Mm. And that's always a bonus. So we're uh, approaching the end of the World Cup now. Did you watch um, England versus Croatia, the semi-final? Yeah, I did. It's... Um... Were you disappointed? All, no, no. I thought the I thought the best team won. Um, I mean, as you know, I'm not an avid England follower. Um, I watched the. I'll tell you what, I did enjoy. I watched the game against Sweden, and I went into town, and it was the you know the Blue Moon Forum. Yeah. It was their meetup, so I just last minute I just thought right, I'm going along to this, and if you can imagine a bar full of blues watching England. It was, you saw Raheem Sterling come on and it was all like Raheem Sterling. He's top of the league. And they're playing Seven Nations Army and the whole pub was bouncing up and down to old Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> so it was a kind of very different atmosphere, I suppose, than you'd get watching a normal England game. You know, and I, I came out, it was at a bar in Manchester in Ancoats, and I came out and Manchester was bouncing. I mean, literally bouncing. Not on top of ambulances, I may add. <laughs> I didn't see any of that. But it was just good-natured. Everybody was buzzing. You know, the beer was flowing. People were having a great time. That was the Sweden, you know. And I watched the Croatian game. It had been a midweek one. I was thinking about going in or going to Castlefield or whatever. And I just thought, I'll watch this one at home. Ultimately, the best team won. The best team got through. England did far better than the expectations. It's that initial disappointment of losing the semi-final. But if you look back on 1990, people remember that World Cup very fondly because England got to the semi-final. Once the rawness is taken out of it, I think people will look back very fondly about what the England squad did and how the England squad conducted itself. And, you know, just uh, performances in the games. I think people will look back on it. And the other thing is England's, or the UK maybe at the moment, is a very fractured place in terms of Brexit has absolutely driven... I mean, I remember the English people laughing at the Scots after the referendum, uh, you know, to stay, and it was a very fractured place, but it's done very much the same in England as well. And this is the first time that I remember since the vote or the decision to actually make this vote that the whole country was given a focus and the whole country was brought together and the whole country was bouncing, the whole country had a one focus that it wanted to achieve. And it's been good for that. And I think it's been good for the country, to be honest, the atmosphere that's gone on since. So England get knocked out and Donald Trump comes over. <laughs> so is there any chance that you'll be putting on a waistcoat when you're teaching uh, next semester? Following in line with uh, the trend set by Gareth Southgate. Uh, next term, it's going to be September. City are going to be playing, and that's my full focus. I may may not wear a waistcoat. I just don't know. It's just, uh, <laughs> I won't be wearing it for any nationalistic or pride reasons. No, certainly not. But my main focus is just completely City. Even when I was in the World Cup, watching the World Cup, I was watching City players and how they performed. And City is number one, two, and three in my first loves when it comes to football. So, uh, just talking about City players at the World Cup, so it's all over now. How do you think that 
the various city players got on. Well, I thought we had a watershed moment for Raheem Sterling. I mean, when he got taken off, I just thought, absolute nonsense. You know, you just look at the statistics for Rashford last season, the statistics for Sterling, and what Sterling was actually doing. There's no comparison, you know. There's other players that should have walked if you wanted to change that team around. But Sterling had a World Cup. I thought Stones absolutely shone in this World Cup as well. I thought Walker... Walker was playing in a very different position, but, you know, he did a steady job rather than his marauding down the right wing, you know, the overlapping fullback. Kevin De Bruyne, when he was played in position, I mean, he played against Brazil and he was just fantastic. Mm. You know, he played well in, in other games, but overall, I mean, we could I could go on here because we had more players than any other, anybody else. There were 17 players there, mm. you know. I can say Edison didn't play well, but he did play badly. He didn't play at all. Um, so, I mean, looking at the main guys who got through, Benjamin Mendy's not being given his chance. But as long as they all come back safe and sound and rearing to go, I mean, I looked at Leroy Sane there and he looks fit and focused back at pre-season and he looks like he means business already. And he's got a point to prove. So, you know, no City players embarrass themselves at the World Cup. No one did a carrius, you know. Uh, so great, you know. Get them back in, get them ready for next season, get them fired under Pep, and let's do back-to-back titles. Well, some great news. We've got our Riyad Mahrez at last. It's all over the internet. I don't exactly remember what I was doing when it broke, but you always know when something happens, when your Twitter timeline becomes flooded with the same picture, one after the other. So there he is holding up his... Uh, City shirt and doing the interview. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, never believe it until you see him actually holding that Absolutely. shirt. Absolutely. My, my favourite comment. I mean, uh, I put a tweet out there. It was about the here the BBC comments and the amount of bitterness from like Liverpool, United, <laughs> you name it. Everybody was just absolutely pouring scorn. I did. I took a load of uh, screenshots of them. My favourite one was uh, some. <laughs> somebody was saying 60 million quid and he can't even get in the French team and you think <laughs> he's not French so why would he be in the French team <laughs> it's always better to say nothing and people presume you're an idiot than to actually open your gob and everybody knows the world knows that guy's just a total idiot Riyad Mahrez for us is an absolute quality signing because if you look at what he did for Leicester I mean, they bought him on the cheap. He did a fantastic job for them. And if you look at the Leicester fans, we were not, nothing but full of praise for the lad. And they knew that he was with them for a limited time. He was so good. And the beauty of Pep is Pep, as good as he was, Pep improves every single player. And we've got a lad now that can just... He's not had a World Cup. He won't be burnt out. He's got his big money move. And he, from everything I've heard him say, he looks focused, he looks ready, and he looks he's going to take this next step up. And just, if he's as good as he was for Leicester, with the players that we've got around him, he's going to be sensational. How do you think he'll be most commonly used by Pep? I think Pep wanted two world-class players in most positions. And if you look at our forward line, it's a very fluid, and the amount of games that these players have to play... He'll be in and out of the squad or in and out of the team, should I say, the first 11. 
I mean, he could play anywhere along, you know, he could play that number 10 role, he can play that, uh, you know, Sterling's role, he could shove him on the other side where Sarni is. You've got all these players, especially with Sterling, and Sterling getting to such, I mean, he's got to the, the last stage of the World Cup because he's going to be playing the third, fourth playoff this weekend. So he's going to be knackered and he's going to be able to rest it properly and introduce into the team properly, as well as De Bruyne is. So I was worried last year. I remember when Deli Alley, the dirty git, literally went out to hurt De Bruyne. Mm. If that had happened, our backup would have been it would have been uh, Gundogan in that position. And as good as a player as Gundogan is, he ain't no Kevin De Bruyne. Mm. And I'm not saying Mares is, but having all those options for us, it means it's less risque if anything goes wrong. Because De Bruyne played a lot of minutes last year, and if you remember, I remember especially after the one-one at Burnley, he was talking about being absolutely knackered. So if we can rotate these players. And, you know, imagine being able to say to Kevin De Bruyne, look, go away for a week. Get on a plane, go away for a week. Line a beat, get, get yourself charged, recharged, and get yourself back. And the ability to do that would just be sensational for us if we've got someone like Mares or whoever else is coming in to sort of step into those uh, boots and the big boots to fill. Pop quiz question for you. Do you remember the last Algerian that played for Man City? I'm tempted to say Ali Benabi, but it wasn't. It was after him. We signed somebody just after him. and He wasn't a big splash, and I can't remember his name. Go on. You must know something that I don't, because it was Benarbia that I was thinking of. We signed another one after that. We did sign another one after that. I'm just trying to think what his name was. I mean, Benarbia for me was just... I just absolutely loved the guy. You remember that? Oh, Benarbia, yeah. His was my favourite assist for years for City and I encourage anybody to go onto YouTube and just look the ball comes to him and he's running away from it in the penalty box and Goat is busting a gut and as he's running away it hits the back of his heel lifts about a foot into the air and lands just perfect for Goat just to absolutely fire it in it's <laughs> just bizarre it's uh, Benabia I remember him arriving and I remember his first game, and we didn't know anything about him. And this guy arrived, and we're like, he just ran the show. It was a game at Main Road. And I remember talking to a chef. We, we won, I think, 6-2 at Sheffield that year. I was talking to a Wednesday mate of mine, and he said that Bernabe was the best play he'd seen at Hillsborough for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, this Bernabia was, him and Berkovic were just on another level. You know, everybody used to say at the time, oh, it's a shame we couldn't have got him earlier. But the State City were in at the time. We weren't going to get a player like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd get on the ball and he'd be telling other players where they should be. You know, he'd be pointing and then he'd circle a couple of times with the ball with a big, you know, six foot four defender trying to kick lumps out of him. But. You know, he'd circle a couple of times after pointing to, the, to tell the player where he should be to let the player get there and then lay the ball off. Mm. You know, it, just an absolute stonewall genius and just a lovely fella by all accounts as well. I'll have to have a look, but I'm, yeah, I'm sure that uh, City had got bought an Algerian after that. Yeah, well, if Riyad Mahrez does half as well or uh, is half as popular with the City fans as Benarbia was, he'll be doing just fine. To be fair, when when we're on a when you're on a famine, any burger will do. You know, it's the best burger you've ever tasted. And City, bloody hell, they were on a famine at the time. Yeah. Well, w- one thing that's really really annoyed me in the last couple of days is this 
Jorginho stuff. I know we've talked about it before. I just, I'm trying to work out what's going on here because of what Martin Blackburn has been saying. He's the journalist who's casting doubt over what everyone thinks is happening. Jorginho apparently is in London. Chelsea have got rid of Conte with a nine million payoff, apparently. Sari is incoming. I'm not sure I fully understand how Jorginho fits into this deal and why he would have changed his mind at the last minute. You know, there's talk of him preferring to live in London instead of Manchester, but Martin Blackburn and various others have come out and said that's not true. He's got no issue with Manchester at all and that there's something else going on here. Can you figure out what's going on? Someone's lying. It's as easy as that. (laughs) And we don't... Again, you know, when you're sort of stuck in the... um, The thing is with transfers and the things with fans' views on transfers is you don't know what's getting said behind closed doors. You don't know the ins and outs and basically the bullshit that's getting thrown left, right and centre by interested parties, whether that's the player, whether that's the club, whether that's the agents, whether it's the guy who owns the image rights. We can only look at what's going on from the outside. And City, especially in the last few years, loose lips, sink ships, and we've managed to plug the gaps on the whole about the players that we're going for and the ones that we're interested in. And... Looking at it from the outside, I can just think somebody somewhere is just telling lies and they're doing it for their own benefit. Do you reckon we're going to get him then? (sighs) That's the million-dollar question. You know, again, we're looking at it from the outside and we're looking on the forums before. And what makes you laugh about reading the forums is there's people, you know, you've got the, yep, he's come to City and then you've got the flappers, you know, uh, just flapping all (laughs) over the place like angry birds and they're thinking... Uh, no, no, no. You know, he's gone to Chelsea, he's gone to Chelsea. And the, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle at the moment. And the player, to be honest with you, the player might not even know where he's going. He'd be a good signing for City. Let's not, you know, make no bones about it. And I can, I can see completely, if you're a millionaire, the lifestyle in London, you can become more anonymous than you can in Manchester. You know, it's a bigger city with uh, a lot more hangouts you know to to, to to get to get yourself lost in um but we've got i mean i always think i mean as city fans we always think well we've got city you know and i love manchester and think it's the greatest place in the world but to sell that to an outsider you know it can be often quite difficult especially someone who's a multi-millionaire and the bright lights of london have a strong pull and i'm hoping pep's got a pull because he was prepared to leave napoli for and you know the, the rumors are that the napoli manager is going to become the chelsea manager and that might be all wrapped up in the deal you just don't know looking from the outside belmadi belmadi was the was the lad we signed go on strikes. carry on <laughs> yes if he wasn't to arrive, if Jorginho wasn't to arrive, obviously the the flappers or the people that are quite depressed about the prospects of this have started thinking about who might be a valid alternative. The one that you hear most of all is Kovacic from Real Madrid, who I don't know an awful lot about. Have you got any particular preferences for who should come in and uh, relieve uh, Fernandinho? Well, I mean, the thing that worries me is after the last World Cup... Fernandinho dropped off for a season. Yeah, he was knackered. Uh, I'm not even sure if he was knackered or just absolutely emotionally wrecked after getting destroyed. And the, the thing is with Brazil, they put so much pressure on the players and you can see it in their eyes. 
because you know people say football's coming home, and I'm just, I think the Brazilians would feel like that every time they win the World Cup. You know, they've won it more than anybody else, and they see themselves as um, playing this beautiful game. And the pressure is on Brazil more than any other country, I think, to actually go and win a World Cup. Scoring an own um, goal won't have helped him a lot. Ah. It's the most city goal I've ever seen. You know, it comes off company, hits Jesus, and then Fernandinho. But that's if anybody. I mean, I heard he was taking racist abuse. I mean, there's no excuse for that ever. But you know, you look at Fernandinho. You look at his part in that goal. Anybody who blames him is just a stonewall idiot. Anybody who goes around with racist abuse, I'm sorry, you're a stonewall idiot. So you just got a double idiot going on there. You know, it's. Uh, I just don't hold. You can't hold him account for that. If it was again, if it was uh, in the same role and it was a city. You know, when he's playing for City, that was. It's just unfortunate. The, the ladder. Real Madrid. I mean, it was. I was. I haven't seen a great deal of him, but he, he played well in the World Cup. What I watched of him, and I know um, the Croatian youth manager was describing him as the best player since uh, Modric. But how much you could take it to that, you never can tell. But um, I trust Pep's judgment, and if he fancies going for any player at the moment, and the track record of the players we've brought in, especially last season, you know, we're doing our homework, and we're not just doing our homework on one player, it's players across the board. We've definitely got this uh, a walk-away policy, because uh, we were in for Fred, and then when it became clear that he was interested uh, more in money than in the project as it were we walked away it could very well be that city are walking away from Jorginho rather than the other way around if they think that he's more interested in a few extra million rather than coming to city is there any particular player that you would like to come in i i thought a little bit about uh, steven inzonzi would be a, a good player for us but then again after a few second thoughts i thought he's maybe sort of on the wrong side of of, of 20s coming to the end of his 20s I thought we should probably have somebody a little bit uh, younger and then I thought about that guy uh, Seri and apparently he's been been sold he's gone as well the sort of list of backups has begun to shrink a little bit is there anyone that uh, that you might fancy in that position I could give you a name who I think would be sensational in that position yeah I know the rumors from um, that he was offered to us in January. And he's had a fantastic World Cup. And I think he would suit us down to the ground, but I can't see it ever happening. Okay, stop teasing. Pogba. Who? Pogba. Oh, come on, Walter. I'm telling you, uh, Pogba is, for me, I know that might not be a popular opinion, but he is a great player in a great team. United are not a great team. And he's been put in this position. He's been managed by Mourinho. And Mourinho has... I feel just gone out to literally not destroy him like he has done with Luke Shaw but you certainly can you absolutely can tell there's a rift there Mm -hmm. and I think he would do a great job for us I think he'd be you've seen him play for France he's got that short and long range passing he's quick with it he's a a big lad but he's also got a small turning circle and um, I think him at City will be two or three times the player he would be that he has been at United that would be the so only you did ask um, <laughs> no I know he hasn't played but if you look at him playing for this French team he's been brilliant and then you look, look at playing for United and you think mate when I'm, when I'm watching this World Cup I think where have you been hiding this year 
Mm. He, whether his heart's not in it and he's not, he's loggerheads. There's something not right with him and Mourinho. I think a cheeky bid. I'd, I'd pay the what they paid for him easily. If we got yeah. him for the eighty nine million, I'd take him without without even a second thought because I think Pep in his head would make him twice that three times the player than Mourinho in his head. Yeah, he's a strange one that because when he was at Juventus, the, I, I don't know. This is a silly thing, but there was something about that kit. That Juventus kit made him look magnificent. When he was in the middle there with Pirlo, there was a, a little bit of doubt there. What Was Pirlo making him look good? And then, of course, he came to United and, and, and didn't really fire much at all. But th- there might be something in that that Pep could unlock his ability. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to get a few comments about that one, Pogba de City. <laughs> you, reckon, um, you reckon they'd flog him to us, though, just on a point of principle? I'm not sure. I mean, the thing is, there was apparently it was offered to us uh, in January. So I'm not quite sure what the script was there. Um, again, you know, so again, we're fans and we're looking from the outside and you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. If they wanted to sell him, put it this way, if they wanted to sell him and they wanted to recoup the money, you're looking at a handful of teams in the world that could afford that. Mm-hmm. I mean, five, six after that. So it'd be one of the five of the six. If Barcelona or Real Madrid aren't overly interested, then you're down to what three or four. Would they sell him to us? They were going to sell us Rooney, weren't they? We so. could get one. We could get another one of those posters up with "Welcome to Manchester" on it. That would be quite <laughs> funny, wouldn't it? Well, <laughs> I remember that going up, and I was in Ireland at the time, and it just opened up a paper, and I just—it was one of them moments where I was laughing for about five minutes, and some of the relatives of United fans said they didn't see the funny side of it, which made it even funnier. <laughs> well, tell me this, whether or not Jorginho comes or, or one of the backups for Jorginho comes, if that position gets filled together with Riyad Mahrez, do you reckon that's our transfer business done? I think if a big player becomes available, I wouldn't mind seeing Harry Maguire you know, signing for City. Yeah. But um, I still think we're keeping... I think we've got a truckload of money. I think we've signed it all off, and I think there's a truckload of money just sat there waiting, and it's not going to be used unless Mbappe comes on the market. And then if he was on the market, I think we'd just go all out for him. So would Real Madrid. That's the problem. So would Real Madrid. They've they've actually just sold Cristiano Ronaldo. Who do you think they're going to have to get in to satisfy the supporters? Well, hopefully someone good from one of our competitors in the Premier League. So whether that's Harry Kane or whether that's, you know, most of these teams are selling teams if you come up with the right money. City are very unique in this position where they're not a selling club unless they want to let the player go. Most of the other teams, you know, they've gone in, they've poached, Real Madrid have poached players, Barcelona have poached poached players, literally from every other club, maybe apart from Chelsea. You know, United were a feeder club for Real Madrid for years, you know, whether it was Ranisaroy or it was Ronaldo, you know, they just went and in and got the, the, the player that they actually wanted. Because when then one of the big Spanish giants comes knocking, it's hard, maybe Hazard, but trying to get because he's only got two years See, left See, they've, they've got to replace that 40 goals a season that he gives them, so... And given that Harry Kane has just signed a new contract and, and you're talking about Daniel Levy too there, most people kind of think it's got to be someone, you know, they have a strategy. They tap up the player for like weeks before and they they do a number on him. And, and a lot of people are thinking it's got to be Neymar, hasn't it? 
really the only the person with the profile that can fill those boots of CR7. <laughs> Neymar annoys me, and I wouldn't <laughs> want him at City with a. I, I wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. Uh, Real Madrid want him. You go and just splash your cash all over him. He's the second biggest man child, I think, on the planet behind Donald some, Trump. Some beautiful memes on Twitter of him rolling around and then rolling down the highway and then rolling up the mountain and rolling down the mountain as well. You know, they really oh. his uh, his performances in the in the World Cup were shameful, weren't they? Really embarrassing. The best one is where he's rolling and the goalkeeper he pops a balloon, but it just shows him popping Neymar. That's I think my favourite one. Yeah, that was quite funny, but. I, I don't know what it is about this. Um, he 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 obviously doesn't have any kind of awareness of how he's coming across. I mean, that thing after the first Brazil game where they got the win and he he stayed on the pitch crying his eyes out. What what's all this business with crying now? I don't know. I mean, we're 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 sort of both slightly older Man City fans, but I don't remember the likes of. Tommy Caton or, or Dave Watson or Mike Doyle crying after a game or crying, you know, um, because of this, that or the other. What the heck's going on? Well, it's interesting uh, with Neymar. Neymar is the, oh, listening to Tim Vickery, uh, I love Tim Vickery. I think he's a fantastic South American pundit. Yeah. And he was talking about Neymar's the first sort of generation that's coming through where they're not street footballers. They grew up in a futsal, is it futsal? Mm. So, you know, it's, it's um, what you've got. I mean, if you if you were there playing football with your mates and you're rolling around, well, then you just make an arse of yourself. You know, you, your Agueros and your Suarezes and all them, they're used to getting, you know, getting the boots or getting out of the way. Now, Neymar was different. He grew up in a controlled environment where there was referees and it, that was part of his, you know, they don't see it as cheating in any way, shape or form. They, they see it as ga- gaining an advantage, gaining a free kick further up the pitch, gaining a penalty. You know, that's the the sort of mentality of the, you know, a lot of these younger Brazilian players who have grown up in this sort of um, environment of referee protection from the ages of, well, he'd have been spotted, what, six or seven, you know, and that's what he's grown up on. And as embarrassing as it is, you know, he just sees himself as gaining an advantage. As far as the crying goes, no idea. Strange <laughs> a little bit because... Um... Gabriel Jesus, he seems to have uh, grown up on those sort of uh, stone pitches where he was getting kicked from pillar to post. And uh, that's a nice segue into in, into another point. How do you think that Gabby J has, uh, has gone on in the World Cup and latterly for Man City? Some people were suggesting that when he first came to City, nobody knew too much about him. And so he sort of uh, started off with a bang and he was putting goals in and people didn't know what to do with him. And now some fans are suggesting that there's been a bit of a, a tailing off and, and, and actually there were one or two who were thinking, you know, is is Gabriel Jesus really the future of Man City? Is he really the heir apparent to Sergio Aguero? What what do you reckon about that? I think uh, for me, is that he, what we tend to forget is sometimes as football fans how young some of these players are. Mm. And this this is a kid who came over from Brazil. You know, he's never lived in a different country before, and he's arrived in Europe. But then he's arrived in you know Manchester, and in you know he's brought his entourage as these Brazilians seem to do. And if you look how grounded he is compared to Neymar, you know Barcelona were talking about being interested in Gabi J. Jesus and the interest ended because Manchester City said, you ain't got a chance. So you're looking at 
a player who, you know, he had his injury and he's, you know, he, I thought he was playing decent for City. I mean, that goal against Southampton just to rack up the 100 points, it seems so long ago, but... <laughs> yeah, that's you one know, of your favourites, abs- isn't it? Oh, he's absolute genius, you know, just the, the ability, that first touch to take the ball down and beat the offside track before that and the finish, the coolness of just lobbing the keeper, you know, that's absolute class. And for a young guy, and, you know, they go in and out of form, but that, that's what being young is. You know, you're finding your feet and you're finding that level of consistency. You know, he's at the right club and, you know, he's not Sergio Aguero and he never will be Sergio Aguero. He's Gabby Jesus and he's one of the best young strikers in the world and we've got him and we're going to nurture him and we're going to make him better. So, you know, I'm happy as Larry with him. On the last episode, we were talking about uh, goalkeepers and I was expressing my fear about what should happen if uh, Ederson should get some kind of season-long or or half a season-long injury. Let's uh, hope that doesn't happen. But there, we have had a little bit of news in that City have have actually sold Angus Gunn. He was the one that we thought, uh, or some people were thinking, might sort of come in and uh, be the number two, although there was a lot of uh, doubt about that. Would Angus Gunn want to sit and get splinters in his bum on the um, on the touchline? But he's been sold, apparently, for a total of $13.5 million to Southampton. And City have apparently promoted Daniel Grimshaw, there's a Harry Potter-like name for you, to be City's uh, third keeper so that's the situation we've got Ederson we've got Bravo uh, as number two there's been no movement on that that I've heard about and Daniel Grimshaw as the number three so how is our goalkeeping situation looking for you um well Edison is just uh, anybody who's listened to anything I've ever said about Edison knows for a fact I love the guy I even love his smiley tattoo you know I just think he's absolute perfect for what we need and any other keeper for me would be a step down so you're looking at Bravo Bravo did okay when he came in last year because he wasn't in the firing line week in week out and what happened that first year I'm not overly sure it does make me feel nervous, a little nervous having Bravo in net, but he did he did well. You know, we wouldn't have won the, uh, the, League Cup, yeah. the Car- Carling Cup, the Rumbelows Cup, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> Carabao Cup. You know, they're just, uh, we wouldn't have won it without him. You know, he, he put, I remember him pulling off some, some absolute wonder saves against Wolves. He saves a good so, penalty, yeah. Well, he, he saves a good penalty, but, but even in the, you know, in the games, but, you know, the statistic was, even if we didn't have a keeper last year, we would have finished in the top four. You know, people say to me, you know, how good is Edison? And hand on heart, I don't know. I don't know how good Edison is because he very rarely has to do anything. He's fantastic with his feet and, he, you know, he's. I've seen him pull off some saves, especially the one at Old Trafford last year. But as a keeper, week in, week out consistently, I have no idea how good he is because... Our team's so good. Um, Angus Gum, I remember a steam company saying, you know, he wouldn't overly fancy coming back because he saw him growing up. And if he's been lauded at Norwich, you know, and he's they, they loved him there. I don't watch a great deal of championship football, but they loved him there. And the forums there were raving about him. So you're talking about this young keeper. And obviously, again, it's in Pep we trust because you've got this player. And I remember Steam Company said he wouldn't want to come and sit on a bench. And fair play to him, he's got Premier League club. Yeah, he. 
the the fact remains he has been sold to them for 13.5 million that's for sure you know Mark Hughes obviously seen something in him so you know I hope he gets a good run of games there and he goes on you know people talk about him being England's number one you know but it must be very difficult trying to hire a backup goalkeeper a substitute goalkeeper because if your main goalkeeper stays fit you're not going to get a look in and you can't really sign a young up-and-coming star as your number two because they need to develop. So I think really what you need is a veteran, somebody in his 30s who's quite happy to take the paycheck and play in the cup game. So, uh, Well, it does. I mean, I, I, I always said, the idea, my, anybody asked me what my ideal job was, Richard Wright, <laughs> just hanging out with the City players, going to all the games, getting paid wedges of money for it, you know, and never actually having to do anything. So he did, he did that for years, didn't he? Oh, it's my ideal job. That was it. You know, what's your ideal job? I want to be a Richard Wright. Pep's listening. I want to be Richard Wright for you for the next few years. You know, that'd just be, oh, it'd be amazing. <laughs> well, another potential outgoing and someone we also talked about before is Zinchenko. Now, I failed to uh, remind you about this uh, the last time we did the pod, but Zinchenko kind of made a bit of a name for himself by giving an interview where he slagged off Manchester, slagged off England and the weather and said there was nothing to do and um, he didn't like the food and all this kind of stuff. Well, apparently two clubs are in for him at the princely sum of 16 million, apparently both. Uh, one is Wolves and the other is Newcastle. The latest thing I read on Twitter before we came on today was that Zinchenko wants to have a meeting with Pep to discover what his uh, role this season might be. Personally, I think he doesn't have much of a role to play. You know, obviously he's got two in front of him at left back and our midfield, attacking midfield positions are completely uh, swamped. What do you think about Zinchenko to either Wolves or Newcastle for 16 million? Good business? Well, if there's nothing to do in Manchester, I'm telling you now, he's in for a shock in Newcastle. (laughs) I know, yeah. He's, well, he's let himself down by saying that. I mean, for me, Zinchenko, thanks for the memories. You filled the role. You were great. You know, Mendy's back fit now. Uh, Delph has shone in that position. It's good. It's absolute fab news all round. I mean, we're getting good money for him. 16 million, number one. His wages are coming off the wage bill, number two. Wolves or Newcastle are getting a player that they're going to play on a regular basis. Number three. Number four, he's going to get first-team football and develop as a player. You know, this is just win-win-win all round completely, you know. Because if he stayed at City, he'd be third-choice left-back. And if he's got that kind of attitude of sort of, you know, say discussing Manchester and the majority of, you know, City fans, you know, coming from Manchester, you know, slagging off their hometown, you know... You just think, can you imagine what he'd be like if he was sat on a bench for a whole year? He ain't no Richard Wright. He'd just upset the apple cart. So get it, get Pep's advice. Get him out the door. Thanks for the memories. Get the money in. Develop your career. Just win, 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 win. There's not much more I can think of about incomings and outgoings except that which concerns academy uh, players. Um, do you think we've talked about everything? Is there anything else that has stood out to you as you've been surveying the, the news media over the last few weeks? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, the thing is, as most things, when the World Cup's on, very little gets done domestically. I mean, 
I think the Premier League teams have somewhat been short-sighted in stopping the uh, transfer deadline day, day before the, uh, the, the league kicks off, because the rest of Europe hasn't done that. So we can't sign any players after that date, and then for the next two and a half, three weeks, we could get cherry-picked. Now, fortunately, the Premier League has got enough money in its coffers to sort of rebuff most offers, and City absolutely certainly have. But a lot of teams are going to be leaving themselves in a you know in a vulnerable position by saying you know this is when we cut it off well let me uh, take you back to something that you said at the top of the show when you mentioned that you got together with a bunch of city uh, supporters um, when you were watching some of those England games. Are you involved actually with groups of City fans that meet up sort of get together city supporters fan groups etc? No, not really. I mean, I've got my mates. I mean, football for me for years was about having a good few pints and uh, rocking up to the game, you know, and then the uh, pints tended to dull the senses, as it were, because (laughs) we were getting hammered week in, week out. So I remember turning up at the Etihad Sober one time and I couldn't find my seat. (laughs) That was the kind of, uh, it was almost like a Saturday night going out, but you'd be home very early. Um, No, not official. I mean, uh, I've been. To, I went to the North Berry supporters branch. I mean, I'm from Manchester. You know, I grew up in in the, in the south South Manchester, Fallowfield. But I um, live North Manchester now, and uh, I went along and they had a presentation with Paul Lake. But I, I'm just a regular guy. Go along because I've seen photographs to- of or, or, on your um, t- your Twitter account. And one particular photograph, you're pictured there with um, Peter Barnes and and uh, the other one was uh, Tommy Booth, I think. And I, I've seen a few photographs like that. So you you must have been hobbing and nobbing a little bit with um, city fans of the past, city city players of the past. No, no, not particularly. I mean, that came um, it was one of the Champions League games um, this season where we'd actually it was it was one of the dead rubber ones. So. We watched the first half, and then we watched the second half in the bar, and them two just wandered in. And I thought, "Happy days! What a fantastic happy days!" You know, it's not autographs these days; it's uh, photos. So you know, camera out, we take a photo. Um, no, no, not particularly. I mean, I just sit with regular fans. You know, I've got uh, makes me laugh. Just behind me, a lot of people know is a uh, ginger wig, or he was for years. And uh, David Mooney, then of Blue Moon podcast fame, he sits uh, about three rows behind me, just behind me as well. But no, just that's it, you know, regular pay for me season ticket match going fan. Well, we mentioned about football fan cast last time, but I also um, remember seeing you on something called Blue Moon Rising TV. Seems to have died a death a little bit, or. Um... But anyway, there, there, there was. Well, tell tell us a little bit about Blue Moon Rising TV and also. Um, Walter's half, uh, uh, Walter's glass half full. What was that all about? I absolutely loved doing that. I mean, that was um, the lads there were just fantastic. Whether it's uh, Stephen or Paul, just or Alex, uh, Elliot, just absolute one hundred percent diamond blokes. And um, they got in touch with me because I did the the fan zone. Mm-hmm. Now with the fan zone, it was um, they asked me what to do after match reviews, so. I said, yeah, 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 you know, so just send in, you know, uh, and they do a little montage of all the aftermatch reviews. And um, I was only, for a long time, I was the only one that just seemed to be quite positive about things. So 
with everyone else being negative and me being positive, they said, would you fancy doing a positivity section with us? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know. And they called it Walter's Glass Half Full. And it developed. It, they never asked me at all, or they, they never told me what to write. That was all scripted by me. And I'd sort of write down a load of notes about, you know, I'd take a comment that was just stupidity, absolute stupidity, whether it was, you know, a city or a small club, you know, and they, that'd be coming from, you know, like a Grimsby Town fan or something. <laughs> and, um, or Sterling's useless. And you know, I'd just pull out the stats. And it ended up sort of being, my view on that was, I wanted it to be a section where, you know, you've got a kid in the playground who's a City fan and he watches that video and some numbskull says something to him and he goes, oh, I remember. And then was just able to, you know, literally cut down this imbecile in half, you know, who's with just <laughs> City facts, you know, and uh, whether that was our record crowds or whether that was, I mean, there was so many. There was so many. There was maybe 50-odd episodes of that. Yeah, I, I love doing it. Um, you can see the first ones compared to the last one. It ended up just being like a machine gun approach. I'd just for a minute and a half. Next, for a minute and a half. And people seemed to really like it. And it, it was just, it was fun to do. They never told me anything I could or couldn't say. And I just went and scripted it all. They bought me a pint. They sat me down in a boozer in Berry. And I just rat a tat tatted it off. And they went and did, added all the magical background music. And, you know, added all the cuts into it or did some graphics into it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was fun, fun, fun to do. And, you know, that led on to other things as well. I did videos with, I forget, that BT Sports. Or I did videos with um, True Geordie, who's an absolute gent as well, the Football Republic. It all stopped at the time because, for want of a better term, City don't have enough fans to sub. To, they had 40,000 subscribers. Now, if you look at United and Liverpool, we're talking they've got 10 times more, even more than that. And they've got that global fan base. And I think it's a bit short-sighted of them to pull the plug on City because I think we will get up there eventually. And you've got a good kind of record of you know after match comments or whatever but it was just absolute fun 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 to do and just met so many amazing people yeah it seemed like such a a, a fun bunch of lads actually there was one guy called uh alex hilton who's a stand-up comedian he is very very funny and he used to do kind of like uh, in this in the style of what arsenal fan tv uh, do now where they interview fans there was one particular episode where he and and one of his mates they were uh interviewing uh fans after a game and uh after a united game and and basically taking the taking the piss out of everything uh, the statues and everything outside old trafford it's very very funny they're all available there on youtube you can dig back into them by um looking up blue moon rising tv a couple of guys have actually uh, started to make something called Man City TV. Have you seen this? It's a couple of guys called Andy and Ray, and they're 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 shooting um, little videos uh, straight to camera. And I guess maybe their idea is to try to revive 
uh, something like that and and try to you know have a, a a sort of city fan tv sort of thing have you seen anything of that i i think i watched a couple of videos i mean there's a fair play to these lads you know what i mean it's um they're going off their own back and they're doing it and good luck to them because there's an absolute hole in the market i know ian cheeseman stuff i do love ian cheeseman stuff as well and you know he's trying to fill that hole in the market You've got the Man City TV boys trying to fill that hole in the market. And there is a market there for that type of thing, you know. Ultimately, people enjoy watching. I mean, the Steam Company still does it, you know, and he does a yep. great job. And people like watching him because, he's, you know, he's a, he's, he's, he's a top bloke. And what he's done is you've got all these sort of little independent people sort of trying to – there's a void there and trying to fill it best they can. Yeah. And often, you know, it's not about ego. It's, I mean, when I was doing that, it was, I enjoyed doing it. I wasn't bothered either, you know, I wasn't trying to do it to, to make millions. I wasn't trying to do it to be famous. It was something I actually enjoyed doing. And I used to enjoy the crap with the lads that I was with. And there was never, it was never forced, uh, you know, trying to be mates or anything. It was just, we all got on. Yeah. So, it's, you know, there's that kind of fair play to them all, you know, it's, YouTube, I mean, my lad makes me laugh. I'll tell him to get off the Xbox. He's 12, and he'll just sit there and go, yeah, no problems, Dad, I'm off the Xbox now. And I look at him, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's he's on his phone, and he's not texting girls. He's not looking, and he's watching YouTube clips of gamers playing games. And I'm like, <laughs> they it do blows that in me South away. Korea here as well. Oh, it's just voyeurism, you know? He's just watching other people play games. And I don't get it, but that's not my generational thing, you know. It's YouTube and the, the documentation of life as it is now. People are going to look back on it in years to come, you know. And fair play to anybody who's got the kahunas just to say, no, I'm going to do it. Because if you ever want to lose your faith in humanity, sometimes read them underneath YouTube. <laughs> YouTube video. <laughs> you just... Oh. You think Twitter's bad until you get on YouTube, and you know it's uh, it's an interesting place, should we say? But I enjoyed doing it, and I got loads of good feedback, and I met amazing people, and had a ball of a time doing it. And the biggest result of it is that, off the basis of all of that involvement, you get to be on the Bolt from the Blue podcast. You have arrived. You have landed, mate. <laughs> well, some guy came up to me at the weekend, and he gave me a hug. And he said, you ought to take it, take it, man. I was like, hang on a minute, mate. Where are we going with this? <laughs> but, he, you know, he, he just come, he was like, and I was like, he, he says, oh, you just do it. Well, you just do it. I'm in the middle of Manchester. So I did it. And he just gave me a big hug. And he's like, oh, that was brilliant. No, it's after the England game and the whole place was bouncing. That will never but, die, mate. That will never die. You will be the take it guy. <laughs> well, this might be true. But, you know, I've had so much fun. For me, following football has just been fun. You know what I mean? Whether that's having pints with your mates and going to the game, as most people do, or doing that extra thing. I mean, I often thought, should I do the Walters Glass half full on my own? It would it would take me a full day to put up a five-minute video. Mm. And, you know, with a, with, a, with a young family, you just look at it and think, I haven't got the actual time. Mm-hmm. But I might, you know, it's never dead. There might be a resurgence, and I'd love to do it. So maybe one day it will return, but I'd much rather do Walter's Glass Half Full than the Fan Zone, even though I probably more people have seen the Fan Zone. <laughs> well, Walter, let's uh, 
bring this episode to an end uh, with uh, one uh, final question, and that would be the one that a lot of uh, city podcasts ask their guests, and that is, what would constitute a successful season for you for next season? What would what would be a successful season? What would be slightly disappointing? What what's the expectation level now? The bar just keeps getting raised, doesn't it? Um, I'd love us to uh, win the league, back to back titles. That, I mean, I think we'll do it as well. Yeah. You can put me on record as saying that. Uh, I'd love us to win the title. Just keep progressing. I, I thought we were unlucky in the Champions League this year. I thought we came up against the one team who would run us ragged. I thought if we'd have got any other team, we'd have got through to the semi-final. And then, you know, it's it's, it's all up in the air. So, that's, that for me is the winning the league. And I could, that's it, that's it. Beating Liverpool at Anfield, 5-0. I'd rather, to be honest with you, I'd lose 5-0 at Anfield if it meant we won the league. Southern, they you know they can have their small victory. They can parade there. We beat Man City Cup again for another season. You know that. But if you ask any Liverpool fan which season would they ultimately have preferred, if they say their own, they're lying. <laughs> what about the European Cup? You think we'll get a bit deeper in that then? Yeah, I think um, you know we got to the last eight. You know it's. Um, it, I just think we were. On, I mean, let's get it right. We were, Liverpool played. Liverpool played to their optimum, and that's why they won. They also had, were very lucky. If VAR existed, you know, the the, the match at Anfield, no, no problem. Instead of getting beat three 0 could have been two two. We'd have had a goal given because it wasn't offside. They would have had a goal disallowed because it was. And Sterling, whoever didn't give that, Stevie Wonder on a dark night would have given that. So I don't know what the referee was thinking. So hopefully there'll be an introduction of VAR. And, you know, I don't want to blame the ref. I just think we came up against the one team that just seems to have our number dialed for that for that particular competition that season. OK, well, I think that, that, that covers everything for this week. I think we should probably uh, wrap it up here and just say to everybody out there, our two, three or four listeners, <laughs> if we get that many, thank you very much for uh, listening. I've been Mike Long at Bolt from the Blue. Uh, Walter, I believe your Twitter handle is at ManCitySmith. That's so, me. Uh, if you have any comments, any uh, any things that you'd like us to discuss on the pod, we're going to try to do this every week, then we'd be happy to take them. So I guess we'll finish up here and just say, up the blues. Hey.